So we have another double parsha this week, Achrei Mais and Kedeshim. And we're going to talk a little bit about the first of them, Achrei Mais. The parsha begins, Daber al-Aran achicha val-yabai b'chal eis al-Hakadosh. HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Meishu Rabbeinu to tell his brother Aaron not to come in at any time to the Kaidesh. In describing the Avedah of Yom Kippurim, which is a unique opportunity that the Kayin Gadol is granted to enter Lifnai Lifnim, he's allowed to come into the Kaidesh HaKadoshim. Now that's not a small thing. That's a huge, a huge opportunity, a huge invitation and a huge responsibility to come mamish in a place that is the inner sanctum of the Rabbi Nishlam, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Shechina is concentrated in, and that normally you would never, ever be able to think about entering into that portal of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Shechina. But Aaron HaKayin was told that not only he, but all future Kayanim Gedalim will be allowed to enter and this is what Meshra Rabbeinu was telling Aaron, that you will be allowed to enter, but not every time. You can't go just any time to the Kaidesh, but you have only, you have only the ability to go uh, at unique opportunities. When you do come in, you have to have a whole Avedah, there's a process that has to be done. It can't be just helter-skelter. Whenever you want to come in, you'd be allowed to come in. And when you don't want to come in, you don't. It has to be with certain rules, with certain regulations, and you have to abide by them because if you don't, you're going to die. There's a very well-known sefer called the Chaye Adam. The Chaye Adam was written by a a very big Talmud Chacham, his name was Rabbi Avram Gansfried. And, I'm sorry, Rabbi Avram Danzig, excuse me, I was mixing him up with the Baal Kitzah Shulchan Aruch of Shlema Gansfried, and I understand why my wires got crossed in my brain, because the Chayadam and the Kitzah Shulchan Aruch were very similar in the style of Sefer Halacha that they created. What they did was they digested they made a digest of all of the relevant halachas that were pertinent to a yid on a daily basis, sort of like a, a shulchan aruch, but a very, um, a very uh, summarized shulchan aruch, exactly what a yid needs to do. And both of these farm, the chayyadim and the kitzur shulchan aruch, became huge bestsellers. The kitzur shulchan aruch was arguably the most published sefer of all since it was printed. Besides, of course, for Sidurim and Chumash and maybe some Agadis, but the most popular Sefer for many, many centuries was the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch. And the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch of Shlema Gansfried really um, was following in the footsteps that was already paved by a predecessor called the Chayadam. The Chayadam was the Kitzur before the Kitzur was written. And Many old-time Yidden still remember that the time that the Chayadam reigned supreme, before the Kitzer. Kitzer was like more of a modern uh, edition of this idea, but the original concept to make one safer with uh, a codification of all of the relevant halachas for a Yid was really done 
by Rabbi Avram Danzig, the Baal Chayadam. My father, Elva Shalom, was a very big chassid of the Chayadam. He loved learning that Sefer, whereas most people, if they're going to learn something at the Shabbos table, they would probably choose Kitzvah Shechanach. My father always insisted on, on learning or having me read from the Chayadam before, you know, on, on most, most Shabbosas. And when I was masvid my father, when I gave a, a eulogy over him, um, so I, uh, I mentioned that the, uh, my father's favorite Sefer was the Chayadam. He knew it cold and he, he learned it constantly, and every Shabbos, this was the go-to Sefer. After the Leviah was over, we went downstairs. The Hesped was on, on the second floor of the particular building and went downstairs waiting for the hearse to take us to the Beis Eilam. And some Yid that happened to be at the, uh, at the Leviah, who I had no idea who he was, uh, I never saw him before and I never saw him since, he came over to me and he said that, you gave a beautiful hesped about your father, and you should know that today is the yard site of the Chayyadim. So it had special significance to me. I don't know who this person was. Maybe it was the Chayyadim himself that came and told me that. But this was the, uh, the story. So the Chayyadim wrote a companion volume to this Sefer Chayyadim called the Chachmas Adam, which is more halachas, more Yerudea halachas, other halachas that are uh, maybe... Um, anyway, it's a companion volume. It's not the Chayadam, it's the Chachmas Adam. At the end of the Sefer, Chachmas Adam, at the, in, the, in the halachas of Avelos, all the way at the end, he brings something that he heard, B'Shem, his Mechutin. Who was his Mechutin? Who was a person that his children married into uh, the other family, the other person's children, the Gra. The Chayadam was a Mechutin with a Gra. Exactly how I think his grandchild was married to a child of the, of the Monagain, or maybe the opposite. I'm not sure exactly. I, I could tell you, but I don't remember offhand. But be it as it may, he was a Mechutin with a Monagain. He brings in the back of a Sefer a Chiddush that he heard, B'Shem, his Mechutin, Hagain HaChasid, Meirena Rab, Eliyahu of Vilna. And the aside that he brought out from the Vilna, I'm not going to get into all the, the proofs, but the Reader's Digest of what the Gain said was the following Bam Chiddush, something that no one I shouldn't say no one ever said, because it's really, it's Mephorosh in a Medrash. And I'll read you in the Medrash, and you'll wonder, like, why anyone would say anything else but this Pshat of the Gain. But the Gain said the following Pshat in explaining these Psukim. The first thing that is difficult about these Psukim is that you'd think if this was a description of coming in to the inner sanctum and the whole process on Yom Kippur, which is what every school child thinks. Anyone that's, any child today in yeshiva whose rabbi is teaching them about Achimais, Achimais is talking about Yom Kippur. When, a yid, when the Kain Gadol comes in on Yom Kippur and Pamachas Bashano, one time a year you're allowed to come with Naiv Lufnim, you're allowed to come into the inner sanctum. You have to do it with a certain Avaid, you have to bring the Kafu Machta, you have to bring blood, you have to, you have to juggle certain things in the 
in and, and bring coals and, and take them out in the Ketairas. There's a, a whole process. We read about it on Yom Kippur itself in the Musaf of Chazar's Hashatz. It goes into all the specifics. The achas va'achas, achas There is a whole seder ha'avayda of Yom Kippurim. So we're talking about Yom Kippur, right? That's the simple pshat in these pesukim. I'm going to tell you the halachas of Yom Kippur. Just be careful. Don't try this at home. Don't do this every day of the year. You have to do it very specifically at a very certain time on, on the holiest day of the year, the holiest man, the holiest place, converging as one. That's the avayda of the Kayin Gadol on Yom Kippurim. But the Vilna guy notices that it doesn't mention anything about the date of Yom Kippur or about Yom Kippur itself until later in the parasha, like towards the end of the whole Avayda, it says that this is the day that you should do it on, Basiri uh, Bachaydesh, you know, whatever, Bachaydesh Hashvi, whatever it is. And that's the day that you should, uh, but it doesn't introduce it as Yom Kippur. It says this is the time that it should be brought, but all the way at the end of the parsha, And a few other examples that the guy was bothered by. And there is also a medrash that is very conclusive evidence that what the guy says is, is a thousand percent True, not that he needs a medrash, he could say it on his own, it would still be a thousand percent true, but it helps to have a nice medrash. And listen to what he says. It's true that all future kaihanim gedailim only do this avayda of lefnai v'lefnim coming into the kaidash hakadashim and yamakipurim. That's true. We can all agree on that. And that's why the parasha says it. But Aaron Hakayin, Aaron Hakayin was unique in that he was allowed to enter into the Kedesh Hakadoshim any day that he wanted. If today on Erev Shabbos, Parshas Achim Eskadoshim, about you know a half a year out of Yom Kippurim, Aaron Hakayin wakes up this fine morning and says, "You know what? I'm in the mood to go into the Kedesh Hakadoshim today. Nobody will stop him." He has carte blanche. He has the ability to walk in to the Kaidesh HaKadoshim anytime that he wants. Not just Yom Purim, but every single day that Aaron HaKain wants, he's allowed to do it as long as he does the Avaida. I mean, he can't just walk in and take a look around and walk out. No. If he wants to come in, he must follow the Seder Avaida of Yom Purim. He's got to bring the, uh, whatever he has to bring on Yom Kippur in and take out and act in a certain way inside the Kaddish HaKadoshim and prepare for it. Whatever it has to be done, he could do it. But it has to be Al Seder Avaida. But if he's prepared to go through the Seder Avaida Yom Kippurim, absolutely, go ahead. You're allowed to, Aaron HaKain, only Aaron HaKain was given this special dispensation of being allowed to go into the Kedesh HaKadoshim whenever he wants. It's a tremendous Kedesh. And this is not Chutoshomikra. This is not something that you would, and this is not the way Rashi learns. If you go through the Rashi's on this parasha, you see clearly Rashi right away says, this is all Yom Kippur. This is taking, this is taking place in Yom Kippur. Kippur. Don't, don't make any mistake about it. It's specific to Yom Kippur, this Abayda. The guy says no. The guy says it's every single day. Whenever Aaron wants, as long as he does, I'll say the Ravida is able to come in and out of the Kaidesh HaKadoshim whenever he wants. 
And if you say, well, this is, where did he get this from? Like I said, there's a medrash. If you look up the medrash, medrash Rabbah, Parsha Chafalef, Amr Abudin Bar Simen, Yesh Es Shiva Shanim. It says, don't come in whenever you want. So it says, the medrash says, there is an ace, there's a time set every seven years. Yesh Es Lashivim Shana. And maybe it's uh, once every 70 years. It's not once a year. And it's not every seven years that you have this opportunity to go lifnai v'lifnim. Any moment that he wants to come in, he has license to come in. Rak sheyikanes kaseder hazeh. With one provision, he must follow the seder havayid of Yom Kippurim. If you follow the seder havayid, then you're allowed to come in Aaron whenever you want. But only Aaron Akayin. This is something specific to Aaron Akayin, and it doesn't apply to any, all future kind of G'dayim, only Yom Kippur. Aaron Akayin had the ability to come in whenever he wanted. This is what the Chayadam brings from his Mechut in the Vilna Gain. It's a very reliable source. Not all of the, the Gains that we have are necessarily accurately sourced or attributed to the Gain. And there are Svarim that try to work out exactly the Gains that we know, because the Gain really didn't write down anything himself. A lot of it was from Talmidim or from Talmidim's Talmidim. A lot of it was Mipiashmua. So a lot of it got mixed in the, lost in the, in the shuffle of time. It's not clear. Sometimes, you know, you'll attribute it to a guy, but really it's, it's uh, something else. A lot of times you'll find two, uh, two uh, sources for a similar, a similar concept. One might be a guy, and one might be the Chanukah Satayr, the Rebbe Rav Eshel. Or it might be a Blevitzmi Bardichev. Or it might be a different Litvish guy. And, and things get mixed up, you know, over time. You know, remember, you just, somebody say, I think it's a guy. And if you came the next, next safer that's printed, it's Beshem the guy. So you have to be careful when people are quoting things B'Shem the Gain. In fact, when the, after the Gain was Nifter, the Bestin in Vilna made a special gezeira, a cherem, against anyone publishing things B'Shem the Gain unless it had the approval of the children of the Gain, people that knew the Gain well, because otherwise we're going to dilute the purity of what the Messiah from the Gain is. Here we have something that the Chai Adam himself wrote that it was, he heard from his mechut and the gain, or he heard b'shem, his mechut and the gain. It's a very reliable gain. It's a reliably sourced gain, and it's something that, you know, is, is emes la'amitay. There was one thing that bothered me about this gain, not bothered me in a, in, a, in a philosophical way, but just as a curiosity, perhaps, why was Aaron HaKayin zeichet to this? If this is something that is acceptable, that a Kayan Gadol, a very holy man, would be allowed to come into the Lifnaiv Lifnim whenever he wants, any day of the week, any day of the year, so then why would it just be Aaron Akayan? Why not his predecessor? Why not his successor? Or why not uh, some random Kayan Gadol in the, in the, in the Bayes Rishon, in the Bayes Sheni? Why is it something that's specific to Aaron Akayan that he gets this din? but nobody else. I think that's a fair curiosity at least to have. It's not going to undermine the Vard. It's just, I'm just curious, like what Aaron 
did to deserve this? Why did Aaron get this covet that he could go in Lifnaiv Lifnim as long as he does the Avaidas Yamakipurim any day that he wanted? So I was thinking that there's a a vart that the Meshachachma says, and it's a very foundational vart. It's something that we should all know. That on Yom Kippur and Davening we say, Ki ata solchan l'Yisrael u'machalan l'shifte Yeshurun b'chol darvadar. We title HaKadosh Baruch in a double way, in a very interesting, uh, in a, couching in, in interesting terms. You are a solchan l'Yisrael. You are the forgiver of Yisrael. U'machlan, and you are a forgiver. Slicha mechilar, sort of synonyms. And you are a machlan l'shifte Yeshurun to the tribes of Yeshurun b'chol darvadar. What does that mean? It seems like redundant. You're a solchan l'Yisrael. U'machlan l'shifte Yeshurun. So what the Meshachachma wants to say is that there's two root averis that Klal Yisrael are stained with. One is an, a terrible Aver ben Adam Lamakim, a historic Avera, a cosmic Aver ben Adam Lamakim, that we are always in need of atonement, and all of the Averas, every time we sin ben Adam we could trace it to this Avera, and we'll get to what that Avera is in a second. And then there's another historic Avera that was perpetrated, ben Adam Lachaverai, which is also the root cause of all of the subsequent averis that transpire between man and his friend. What is the great avera that was done? Ben Adam Lamakim, Cheta Egel, Cheta Egel. was very upset. He wanted to destroy us because we breached the relationship between us and him by creating some idol and dancing around it. And it was intended to be a substitute for Meshach Rabbeinu. And it was uh, a terrible Avera, a terrible stain on our reputation. And, our, and, our, and for all times, we have to deal with this. And all Averas that are Bein Adon Lamakim are all sourced in this Avera. And we have to try to rub out the stain, cleanse that stain. And then there's another Ched, and that's Mechiras Yasef. When we sold our brother, Yasef, when the Shvatim sold their brother, that was a terrible Avera, Bein Adam L'chavera. That was a quintessential no-no between, in, between brothers, between Shvatim. And, and we have to pay the price for that as well. Every time that we do an Avera, Bein Adam L'chavera, it's rooted in that Avera. And so we need a Mechila, we need to try to work on cleansing the root averis, the slichan mechila that's necessary to be attained from these two averis. Says the Meshachachma that that's what this tefillah is. Yisrael. You are the forgiver of Yisrael. Yisrael is a reference to the Chet because it says, Yisrael. This is the, your God, O Israel. That was said by the, by the Chet as they were performing the Chet so you are the Sulchan, you're the one that has the power to cleanse the Chet Umachlan, and you have the power to be Meichel, the Shifte Yeshurun. That's a reference to the Shvatim, to the tribes of Klal Yisrael that, that breached their, their brotherhood when they sold Yosef down to Mitzrayim. So 
the Havayda of Yom Kippur really is to work on cleansing these two sins. And if you're able to cleanse these two sins, if you're able to be the astringent that would be able to scrub away these sins, then you would be able to have the entire Kedusha and Tara of Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a day that we're supposed to be free of sin at the end of the day. How do we do that? We have to go to the root cause and clean ourselves up in these two root causes, in the Chet HaEgel and the Chet of the Mechir HaSyasev. Who was the greatest Yid in the world that was super qualified, eminently qualified, to cleanse these sins? And I would submit to you that it was Aaron HaKain. Aaron HaKain had a little bit of involvement in the Chet HaEgel, but he himself worked on himself, and even though he was scared, the Pasuk says that you should, uh, you should go and bring a certain carbon on the first day of the, uh, of the, base, of the Mishkan's building. Um, he was, and he was afraid. He saw the chatas. He saw that he was still culpable. But Meshach Rabbeinu says, no, don't be afraid. So Aaron HaKayin really worked hard on cleansing the Avera of the Chet Furthermore, Aaron HaKayin was the greatest Yid, Ben Adam L'chaverai. We know all the great legends about Aaron HaKain, Ayev Shalom, Reidiv Shalom, Ayev Esabriyas. He loved his fellow men. He brought peace between man and his wife, between brothers. So he was the bridge that was able to bring together and to undo the damage of the, of the Mechir HaSyaisev. Aaron HaKain was the quintessential Ish Yayim HaKippurim. He was the person that was able to fit the role that was necessary for Yom Kippur perfectly. He was the person that was the agent to bring Slicha, L'Yisrael, and Mechila, L'Shifte Yishurin, by his very mohus, by who he was, his persona, cried Yom HaKippurim. And so perhaps these facts caused him to be, like I said, the man of Yom Kippur. He was the personification of Yom Kippur. If he was the personification of Yom Kippur, then I think we could make the following hypothesis that perhaps every day was Yom Kippur as far as Aaron was concerned. The reason why he was able to every day, whenever he wanted, enter the Kaidash HaKadosh was because it was Yom Kippur by him every day. Today is Yom Kippur by Aaron. On Sunday is Yom Kippur by Aaron. Because what is Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur is a day that you work on Ben Adam Lamakim, Ben Adam Lachaveir, the Chet Egel, the Chet Mechir Aaron was doing that constantly. That was his nature. That was what he was all about. He was Yom Kippur. He was like a walking Yom Kippur. He's a walking Yom Kippur. He had the license to do the Avedis Yom Kippurim every day of the year. And I want to take from this Yisaid something that we can perhaps use in our own life. There were Yidin that were also Ish Yom Kippurim. They were people that were what I would call a Yom Kippur Yid. They were Yidin that lived Yom Kippur Dick their entire year, not just Yom Kippur. You see, the way we act, or at least the way I act, is that you get 364 days of being a regular person, 
and then you have one day a year of being a malach. All of a sudden you put your kittel on and somebody will put a big white yarmulke on and a white tie and you take your mach, so you cry over, you clap al chet. That's my Yom Kippur. Now I could go and party. Matzah Yom Kippur, let's go. Got the mechila, slicha, kapar, that's it. In fact, the Gemara says in Yuma that there is hasatan is gematria 354, I believe. Because, no, is that right? 354. Because there's 355 days in the Jewish calendar. 354, the Satan gets the rain. It's Kashmak, the Satan is mamish, you know, pumping us up. We're doing our thing. There's one day a year at the less Rishusa, less Satan, less Tanuni. There's no, he doesn't have permission to be Mastin. He doesn't have permission to prosecute us. He's, he sort of fades away on Yom Kippur, but he comes back, Baruch Hashem, Matzah Yom Kippur, as soon as the Burachim starts, you know, he's back. In fact, we start clapping, you know, uh, we say Slach Lano a minute after Yom Kippur. We're already back in the fold. Slach Lano, what do you mean? We just, I thought I just got all my sins cleaned. The answer is, it's true, but that was Yom Kippur. Now is Matzah Yom Kippur. We're back, in the, we're back in the world of the Satan again. We have to say, Slach Avinu, we're already not having Kabbanish Manesha. I'm thinking about my cake. I'm thinking about my bagel. I'm trying to you know, build the sukkah already. I'm like, I'm busy already with the year. I'm, I'm out of Yom Kippur. Tzadikim don't do it that way. Tzadikim, every day by them, is Bibachinas Yemakipurim. Every day is the Yom Kippur by them. The great Rabbi Shal Salantip, for example, he was the father of the Musar movement, but he was a tzaddik yisait ilam. Obviously, if you're the founder of the Musar movement, presumably you have to be the tzaddik yisait ilam. You can't found the Musar movement if you're not the greatest Baal Musar. And he was. And he used to say the following thing. He says, whenever I have a question that I need to deal with, I have to make an important decision. We all have important decisions we have to make, right? What, do, uh, you know, what should we be doing with our life? Uh, where should we be going in the summer? What kind of job should I, uh, should I be going for? What was, what's my career? What type of girl should I marry? What type of, uh, you know, uh, how should I behave? Where should I, how should I not behave? All the decisions that we're constantly making, the small decisions and the big decisions, Rabbi Shalasandu says, every time I have to make a decision, I think to myself, what would my decision be if I was considering this on Ni'ila of Yom Kippurim? Think about that a second. If, let's say, you have a very big Nisayan in life, you're not sure whether or not uh, you should uh, cheat on your income taxes or not. Okay, I think yes, no, yes, no, back and forth. What would, you, what would you do if now is Ni'ila? Now is Ni'ila, and uh, you thought about that. Well, of course, I'm, I'm going to be a good Jew. If you're thinking about you know, going into like a business that's a little shady, and like it could cause a tremendous chil Hashem, what would you do? Well, I don't know. Today, maybe I would do it. I need the money. It sounds good. Uh, by Ni'ila, you're not going to do that. If I have to decide whether or not I should go to a... Uh, watch a certain movie or not. That's not a kosher movie. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's sad to say no. It's sad to say yes. I don't know. What would you do on Ni'ila Yom Kippur? What would you... Obviously, no. Rabbi Sal Salanter says that every decision that I make, 
I always filter it through this question, what would I say to myself if now was Ne'ilan Yom Kippur? You're screaming, Hashem Mu'alekim, Hashem Mu'alekim, Shema Yisrael, Baruch Shem. What would you think? What would be the answer to that question? He says, whatever I would decide by Ne'ilan Yom Kippur, that's what I decide today. But it's not Yom Kippur. I don't care. I'm a Yom Kippur Yid. Yom Kippur is not one day of the year that I have to be a good boy and then the rest of the day, you know, I could give a head fake to God and act normal. If I'm a Yom Kippur Yid on Yom Kippur, I should be a Yom Kippur Yid the entire year. Rav Gifter used to say that he starts doing tshuva. You know, some people start doing tshuva on Rosh Hashanah. Some people, good, better people, start doing it by slichas a couple of days before Rosh Hashanah. Really good people do, do tshuva on Rosh Chodesh Elo. And they start going from Rosh Chodesh Elul. Some people wait all the way to Yom Kippur, to Ne'ilah. Rav Gifter said, I start tshuva as soon as Yom Kippur is over. As soon as Yom Kippur is over, I start my tshuva process all over again, waiting for the next Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. See, Yom Kippur Yid. The whole year by him was Yom Kippur. The Briskarov, the great Rabbi Yitzchak Zev Salavechik, was walking... He, he had health issues, and, uh, and he had to take walks. So on, uh, on Yom Kippur, he felt like he should get some fresh air and take a walk. So a Talmud came over to him and says, Rebbe, it doesn't pass for you to take a walk at Yom Kippur. You're the briskarav. You don't take a walk on Yom Kippur. You stay in shul. You, you, you want to go, go to a room and put your head down. You don't take a walk. It's, it's Yom Kippur. How does it, how's it going to look? I don't know who would have the chutzpah to say that to him, but this is how the story goes. Somebody said to the Briskarov, it doesn't, maybe he just made a face like that, you know, like, you know, you walk, Yom Kippur, like Briskarov. So listen to what the Briskarov said. He said, what I do every day of the year, I do on Yom Kippur. If it's good enough for me to do every day of the year, I'll do it on Yom Kippur also. And what I won't do on Yom Kippur, I won't do the rest of the year. Yeah? If I do something every day of the year, then that's fine. I've, I've deemed that appropriate. If it's appropriate for me to do on Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Achim, Eskadeshim, it's perfectly appropriate for me to do on Yom Kippur. I take a walk on, on Friday afternoon or on a, on a Tuesday morning, I could take a walk on Yom Kippur. Obviously, I, felt, I feel that it's appropriate to do and so I'll do it on Yom Kippur. And what I won't do on Yom Kippur, if it was, it's something that I feel should not be done on Yom Kippur, let's say it's inappropriate to take a walk on Yom Kippur, I wouldn't be doing it the whole year either. Meaning, there's no difference to certain Yidden between Yom Kippur and the rest of the year. The whole year, 355 days of the year by them, is Bebuchinus Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is not one day on the calendar, Pam Achas Bashana, and the rest of the year is different in stark contrast because the rest of the day, the rest of the year I'm human, Yom Kippur I become a Malach. No. If I'm a Malach on Yom Kippur, I should be a Malach the whole year. And if I'm not a Malach on Yom Kippur, then I shouldn't be a Malach. It, ha- it goes together. It's a Chativa Achas. It's one piece. The whole year is, should be the same thing. You're not, it's not like you know, the stock market, like ups and downs and, and sideways, it has to be a consistency if you're, if you're on a certain madrig. Obviously, we're not maybe talking to ourselves. We're not holding there. But it's just an important insight to know 
that there are Yidin that feel that way, that are Yom Kippur Dik the entire year, and it sets the bar pretty high, but at least we see a bar there. At least we see that there's something to aspire to, if we're not holding there yet, but maybe someday we can, or maybe we can improve our rest of the year so that it's a little bit more Yom Kippur Dik. So we feel a little bit pure and holy, and we're and we're, we're like Malachim on Yom Kippur, we should be Malachim a little bit more the rest of the year as well. Like Aaron Akain, he was the Ish Yom Kippurim, and he was able to do the Avedis Yom Kippurim every single day. And that's how we could be also. We could be doing an Avedis Yom Kippurim every single day of the year, feeling Yom Kippur Dik, understanding that the same Rabbi that's here in Yom Kippur is here now. And if it's something that's inappropriate, Yom Kippur, I shouldn't be doing it today either. And if it's something that's appropriate to be done Today, I should be able to do it on Yom Kippur. There's no difference. Yom Kippur is a, is a very special day, as we know, but it's a special day, not just on Yom Kippur, but it's a special day, and it should be yearned for throughout the year. That's also making us Yom Kippur Yidin. If we're looking forward and anticipating Yom Kippur today, when is a time that no one's thinking about Yom Kippur, who's thinking about Yom Kippur today? But especially we're laying Achrei Mais, there's a, an element of appreciating the gift that Yom Kippur is throughout the whole year. Rabbi Nuyayna, for example... The great Rabbi Yaina in Shari Tshuva, Dalad Ches, says that if somebody commits a negative transgression, somebody is over an Avera during the course of the year. Let's say today I did an Avera. I spoke Lashonara this morning. Or I looked at something I wasn't supposed to. Or I, I, I forgot to avenge. Let's say I did that. So I should be looking forward the entire year anxiously awaiting the approach of Yom Kippur when I'll be able to reconcile with the Rabbani Shalom. If I forgot to do something, if I neglected to do a mitzvah, or if I did a plain out Avera, I should be nervous and I should be anxious because I need a Yom Kippur to be mechaper for that. So the whole year I should be thinking about Yom Kippur. My mind should be saturated with Yom Kippur. And you know what he says? He explains that that's why we celebrate on Arab Yom Kippur with a Sudas Mitzvah. Now we all think about that Sudas Hamafsekas on Arab Yom Kippur. That's a time that we just, it's a preparation for Yom Kippur. Right? We we're fasting the whole next day, tonight and tomorrow, so we have to eat a good meal on Arab Yom Kippur. And everybody's busy, you know, to take their pills and the watermelons and the, you know, with all their you know, their, their old wives' tales about what's going to make the fast easier or harder. Can't eat salty things. You should eat salty. You should eat water. Too much water. Everybody has tyra about what... That's the big problem. That's the big thing about the Suda. Cesar Benayna, you know what that Suda is on Arabian Kippur? It's a Suda's mitzvah. Because you're so happy. It's like, you know, a bris, a pigeon, a ben, a bar mitzvah, a chasna, an Arabian Kippur Suda. Why? 
because I'm overjoyed that I finally made it to the finish line. I'm about to come into the world of Yom Kippur that I've been so desperately anticipating the entire year. Every day I've been thinking and dreaming and longing for Yom Kippur because I need that. Yom Kippur is a day that will atone for all of the Averis that I don't want to go up to Elmamas saddled with a, a zillion Averis. I want to come up free. Yom Kippur is the day that gives us that freedom. That gives us that purity. It's a special day, but you have to anticipate that day eagerly. And you make a sudas mitzvah on that day. I saw in the machzer of Rabbi Yashaber Salavechik, he brings a very beautiful story that one time there was a, you know, the Rothschild family in Europe were like, uh, they were very wealthy. Jews and, and they were very powerful and every government what happened was there was like a, the, the, um, the, matri- the, the patriarch of the Rothschild family and he had a whole number of sons all very bright and capable and he based, each of them moved to like a different country in Europe and you know so one was in England, one was in Germany, one was in uh, France, one was, they were all and they basically created like a global empire of finance millionaires and they were the people that lent money to governments and financed war efforts and everybody the Rothschilds were like I visited the grave of a lot of the Rothschilds if you ever go to Frankfurt in Germany in the same cemetery where Shamshrafal Hirsch is buried and, uh, uh, and, and other Gedalim the Stalliner, the Yenuka of Stalin is buried there, and uh, Reb Shlema Breuer is buried there, and a, a number of other very famous Gedalim. So, on the other side of the wall, there is a whole beautiful area, and it has the fanciest graves that you've ever seen. They're ornate, and they're like, you know, with flowers like, like chiseled in, and, and just really spitz graves. If you're into graves... So you would love this place because you never saw fancier graves than this. Who are these graves? This is the Rothschild family. They were, they, their family was really based out of Frankfurt. In fact, they were big Hasidim of Shamshra Fal Hirsch. They funded when he broke away from his community and he started his own, you know, Frimmer community um, called the IRG. Uh, so he, his shul, Kaladashim, was basically funded in, in large part by the Rothschilds. So a lot of them are buried in, uh, in the cemetery. So a lot of them ended up, unfortunately, not being from, but there were from branches of the family as well. And one of these from branches of the Rothschild family, one of them, I don't know exactly which one, but let's call him Baron Rothschild. So he had a guest over his house, Freem Kipper. And this is the story, I don't know if it's true or if it's apocryphal, but this is how it goes, that... In the, by the break on Yom Kippur, so they went home and this guest you know, came with Baron Rothschild and they came into this big mansion that he lived in and uh, you know, he thought he'd just lie down and you know, go to sleep for an hour until he had to go back to shul. And he was shocked when he comes into the dining room of this Rothschild's mansion, the table is set completely for, Yom, for like a Yantif meal. And they have like beautiful china out and, and, and cutlery 
and there were like chalas on the table, and there was a kiddush cup, flowers on the table, crystal. It was like a yantif meal. And this guest was like getting a little bit nervous, like, hello, it's Yom Kippur. Like, I hope we're not actually about to do what I think we're about to do. Can't eat on Yom Kippur. What's going on over here? And then this baron picks up the Kiddush cup and it's really getting scary for this guest. And he said the following, Master of the universe, before we eat, we should make Kiddush. Since today is Yom Kippur and we are forbidden to eat and drink so as to afflict our soul, we will avoid eating and drinking and return to Shul to continue with our prayers. What's the point of the story? Rabbi Yashaber was using it for a different thing, that there's an Indian on Yom Kippur to be ma'ana yourself. There's a certain type of, of inui of uh, like cutting up vegetables on Yom Kippur in order to like make it a little harder for you to, to go through the fast because you're getting hungry. So he was using an al-derech that. I wanted to say al-derech of that there really should be a great su'uda that's made on Yom Kippurim. It's the greatest day of the year. It's the happiest day of the year in a certain sense. You're getting rid of all of your sins. If I would say, you know, give me a million dollars if you had it and, you know, and I'll get rid of all your sins. I think you would give me a million dollars. Why not? It's to get rid of all my sins? Well, you don't need a million dollars. You just have to get to Yom Kippur, do the right thing in Yom Kippur, stay away from doing Averis, daven a little bit, have a little kavana, you know, clap some alchets, do, have your retshuva, and you're good. You don't need a million dollars. It's a tremendous simcha. It needs a Suda. The Suda, says Rebbein is really before Yom Kippur. That's the Suda Mafsekas. It's a great Suda. But in theory, we should have a Suda on Yom Kippur itself. We can't. We should. We can't. But we have to consider it as if we should. And that's what Rothschild was doing. I always said that, you know, the Gemara says we don't say Howl on Yom Kippur. Because Sefer Chaim is Sefer Mesim. Psuchem Lefanov, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is sitting in Din and he has all the books of life and death open. It's a, fr- it's a frightening day, Yom Kippur. It's not a time of Simcha, so you don't say Halak. But I was always thinking, let's say not for that reason. Let's say we would be allowed to say Halal. Could you imagine a more beautiful Halal than the Halal that we would say on Rosh Hashanah on Yom Kippur? It would be the most glorious Halal. You're singing praise to Hashem, Tichilatsta Nafshimi Mabes. You're taking my life out of, out of death's grasp. I should be dead, but you're keeping me alive. It, it's it's a, the most beautiful time to say halal. Okay, we can't because it's a, a technical reason we can't say halal. Because it's, you know, it's a time that you have to be afraid. But in theory, halal is deserved. Halal is, is it's warranted on, on Yom Kippur. It would be amazing. Imagine the beautiful songs that the Shleach Tzibur would have the opportunity to sing with the Tzibur on, on Yom Kippur were it not for a technical reason of Sifrei Chaim and Sifrei Mason. Yom Kippur is the, is the most amazing day of the year. It's scary. It's true. It does have that element of Yura and Fachad and we're not supposed to be really that happy because it's, our lives are hanging in the balance but at the same time the opportunity that's presented to us in Yom Kippur is, is it's, it's, it's priceless. Rabbi Shal Salantu used to say in fact that if Yom Kippur were to occur only once in 70 years, 
in addition to wishing a person that he should live until 120, you would add another bracha. Now you say, well, how long, how, you know, how old are you? You know, you, know, you should live until 120, right? That's uh, always, I may have asked him. That's a nice bracha to give somebody to live until 120 because that's how old Meshur Rabbeinu was when he died. So we don't want to go more than Meshur Rabbeinu, but 120. Rabbi Selassan just said, you would also give another bracha that you should be zaycha to make it to Yom Kippur. Every 70 years, Yom Kippur. Like it's, it's sort of a great marker in time. Like uh, um, I guess the closest example I could give is Birka Sachama. Every 28 years, you get to say a Birka Sachama. And people discuss, like, how many Birkas HaChamas did you have? Did you have one? Did you have two? Did you have three? And some people have four, I guess. But if they're really, you know, make it tarikh, it's possible, theoretically. Imagine if, like, instead of Birkas HaChamas every 28 years, you had Yom Kippur once every 70 years. But, and everybody, like, the hype about Yom Kippur is, if you make it to Yom Kippur... You're good. You got, you got, you know, slicha, mechila, kapara. You would give bracha, say, listen, I, I know that Yom Kippur is in 47 years. My bracha to you is you should make it, you should have a richas yom to make it to that Yom Kippur because that Yom Kippur, you, if you make it there, you're good. So, Rabbi Sosanta says, but listen, we have Yom Kippur every year. We have Yom Kippur every year. Sort of is like a little bit, maybe that was the pshat in that medrash that we started with, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Lo'i es la'shana, v'lo'i l'zayin shanim, v'lo'i l'shivim shanim. I'm not giving you Yom Kippur once every seven years, once every 70 years. There's, there, I'm making it accessible to you. Once a year you get Yom Kippur. It's a tremendous chos to have Yom Kippur once a year. But you have to live like a Yom Kippur to get and appreciate it every day that I'm about to come to Yom Kippur. If I can make it six more months, boom, I'm, I got Yom Kippur. I want to end with a story that shows how Chavav Yom Kippur was to even very simple Jews. Not Rabbi Shal Salanter, not the Briskarov, but a very simple Jew. The stipler had a grandson who was riding on a bus in Eretz Yisrael. Riding on a bus in Eretz Yisrael, and an older, elderly Russian Yid gets on the bus and sits right next to him. And it wasn't even clear to the stipler's grandson this man was religious. The way that he was dressed, it's an old Russian yid, he wasn't sure if he was even religious. And shortly after boarding, these two yidin, the stipler's grandson and this Russian Jew, begin having a conversation. And the older man was speaking a Russian-accented Yiddish. And he, he made the following claim to the stipler's grandson. He said... Ich mit Yom Kippur zenin eins. Says, me with Yom Kippur are one. Me and Yom Kippur, we're buds. We're, we're one. We're very close. We're very tight, me and Yom Kippur. So he, you know, it caught the curiosity of the stifler's grandson. Like, what do you mean by that? How are you and Yom Kippur one? So the man explained. 
that I was in Russia in the army under Stalin. And of course, there was very difficult conditions. The Russian army, many you know, people died for doing anything remotely religious. They wanted to abolish God from Russia. That's what, that was what the you know, Lenin and Stalin, communism, that was the, you, know, you worship the state, you don't worship God. God is you know, a, a terrible. You can't do, you can't, you can't have any, and they, they clamped down on Shabbos and Mila Bechulei. So this Yid was in the Russian army and he knew that Yom Kippur was about to come. And he decided that he did not want to work on Yom Kippur. And it's a very simple Yid. I don't know if he went to Yeshiva at all. I don't know if he knew Aleph and Abayz. But he knew Yom Kippur. And he says, I did not want to work on Yom Kippur. Now, there was only one day, one way to get a day off. There was only one way. You can't say, I'm sick and I'm tired. They don't want to hear it. If, you, if, you, if they, they're chayshu that you're taking off because of Yom Kippur, they'll shoot you and, you know, and bury you in some unmarked grave. There was only one way to get a patur, And that is that there was a dentist, if you could call him that, on every Russian base. He wasn't a real dentist. He didn't know dentistry from a hole in the wall. But they called him the dentist. So if there was ever a dental problem... He would basically just take a pair of pliers and pull out the tooth that was bothering you and that was it. So, so he said, and then of course if you went to that dentist, then you, it was, you they didn't use Novocaine, you were in a lot of pain, no medicine, so they let you take off a day after you go to that dentist. So he went to the dentist that day, the day Arabian Kipper, and he told the dentist that my tooth is hurting me a lot. He says, which tooth is this tooth? The dentist says, you sure? It's not that tooth? No, it's this tooth. Okay. Takes out his rusty pair of pliers, puts it in the guy's mouth, and yanks the tooth out. And he says, you have no idea of the pain that was shooting through my entire body. Every nerve in my entire mouth and my entire extended body was on fire but I did it for Yom Kippur I did it for Yom Kippur because that day I got to take off I stayed in bed the whole Yom Kippur and I didn't have to do any malacha on Yom Kippur and then he said to the stifler's grandson you want to see the tooth you want to see where, where he pulled it out so I was going to say, okay. So he opens up his mouth, he smiles, and the front six teeth were missing. He says, I was in the Russian army for six years. Every year before Yom Kippur, I did the same thing. He says, and tell me, am I not one with Yom Kippur? That's a Yom Kippur Yid. It's a Yid that understands the preciousness of Yom Kippur. Not just one time, six times he went through the same agony and he never regretted it, he was proud of it. And his life, every time he smiled, he was a, it was Yom Kippur took a smile. And every time he walked, and every time he talked, and every time he ate, it was the Yom Kippur took a experience because he lived Yom Kippur 
He was like Aaron Akain, the Ishemakipurim, going Lufnaivalufnim every single day. Whenever he wants, he was able to come before the Rabbi Nishlam because he lived Yemakipurim. Bizais Yavai Aaron al this is how Aaron is able to come al You know how you come before the Rabbi Shalom? You come with Yom Kippur. You bring Yom Kippur to the party. Wherever you go, you bring Yom Kippur with you. That people, you walk into a dorm room, people see you, uh-oh, we have to stop speaking Lashonar. The Yom Kippur yid is here. You remind people of Yom Kippur. You radiate the Kedusha Siyem Kippurim. Yom Kippur, I'm not going to speak Lashonar. Well, I'm not going to speak Lashonar if I'm in the presence of this guy. We know those types of guys. That when they're around, we just want to be good. It might be a Rebbe, but it might be a roommate. Or it might be a Russian Yid on a bus who is so simple and so pure with his amuna that it makes us all feel that we have so much to aspire to in our life. That's the goal of life, I guess. To be a Yom Kippur Dik a Yid. To be a, a Yid that on Yom Kippur acts Yom Kippur Dik and throughout the entire year always has Yom Kippur in his mind. Either because it's appropriate, I wouldn't do it on Yom Kippur, I shouldn't be doing it now, I wouldn't make that decision by Neil, I'm not going to make it today. Or that I'm just thinking always about Yom Kippur, like i got to get there because I need, I, I need Yom Kippur, trust me, I need Yom Kippur. When is Yom Kippur coming already? A lot of people dread Yom Kippur. It's like Tisha B'Av. It's like the worst day of the year. Like, let's get this thing over with. I, 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 you know, once we get past Yom Kippur, we're good. There are other people that they actually, they cherish Yom Kippur. They look forward to it. My grandmother, Allah Shalom, used to tell me when I was a little kid, and I always remember it, that her favorite day of the year is Yom Kippurim. I say, my, my day, did you say Purim? That's my favorite. No, I didn't say Purim. I said, Yom HaKippurim. Yom HaKippurim, I said, you like Yom Kippur, but it's a day you got to fast, you got to wear, you know, slippers, you got to, you, you can't do anything fun, you can't, you know, it's, it's so restrictive, Yom Kippur. What do you like about it? She says, are you kidding me? I don't have to worry about cooking. I don't have to worry about eating. I don't have to worry about drinking. I spend a day with my machzer and my tears, davening to the Rabbi Shalom, talking to him, confessing to him, expressing my dreams, my aspirations to him. There's no better day of the year than Yom Kippur. I, I look forward to it the whole year. That's Aaron Akayim. That's This is the Chiddush of the Chayadam, of the Gain, that every day of the year, Aaron HaKayin was given license to walk right in. As, soon, as long as he does the Avedis Yom Kippur, you know why? Because every day was Yom Kippur in the world of Aaron HaKayin. No other Kayin Gadol could claim that, but Aaron HaKayin could. He was working on his Ben Amla Chaveira, Ben Amla Makim. He was the embodiment of Yom Kippurim, and he was able to bring Yom Kippur in Lefnai Vofnim every time. And there are Yidin, and we could be those Yidin as well, that feel Kedusha Yom Kippurim not just once a year, but every day and every minute of the day. It's a, a bar that is very high for us. 
But we could accomplish it, I think, if we tried, if we think, if we dream, if we aspire. Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur. That's our goal. To get there, to feel it today, to work on our tshuva already, like Rav Gifter a whole year, to be an Ishem HaKippurim. Rabbi have a beautiful Shabbos.